Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our Wednesday Bible study here at the Raven Foundation and at the Clackamas United Church of Christ Facebook pages. I am Pastor Adam, and I am here with my dear friend and colleague at the Raven Foundation, Lindsay Paris Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Happy Armistice Day, everyone. Happy Armistice Day. I, I know that you wanted to say something about Armistice Day. Just that it used to be Armistice Day. So to all the veterans and all the people who have seen the horrors of war, um, I do thank veterans for their love, for their dedication, for their courage. Um, as a pacifist, I find it hard to say thank you for a job that entails killing. And um, I just want to rechannel the courage to I just want to channel everyone's courage into peace and I pray for a day when wars will end and you know we used to celebrate a day when a war ended and then we stopped doing that and now our wars never end and I always remember that on this day so um if you have fought I'm praying that your children and grandchildren won't have to fight. I appreciate what you have done to serve. Um, and um, yeah, I, I pray for a world in which the fighting can cease. That's all. Amen to that. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll dive into the Bible because I think the Bible might have something today to say about, uh, what you're talking about. So this is Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. It's a bit long. So if you're watching this, uh, stick with us. And this is another one of those parables like we had last week that are, um, troubling. Uh, it's a difficult passage, especially with how Jesus tells it at the end, um, what happens at the end to this guy. So uh, do you want to read it, Lindsay, or shall I read it? Um, I'll go ahead and read it. You can read it. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is traditionally called the parable of the talents. Uh, and it's not talents like uh, you have 
uh, gifts and talents, special abilities. Um, it's talents was a way of, uh, was like a coin uh, or a, a certain amount of money in the ancient world. And it was, the amount was about 15 to 20 years worth of wages. So one talent is, is a lot of money that we're talking about here. So this is the parable of the talents. Here you go. Jesus says, for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into, my joy, into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have more, who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Lindsay, in a church setting, we would read that and somebody would say something like the word of the Lord. And everybody would respond, thanks be to God. <laughs> right. This poor man who had one talent given to him because of his ability, whatever that means, uh, is afraid of the master for some reason and hides it and then gets thrown out into outer darkness. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, that's part of our liturgy. And... 
I thank <laughs> God for the way that these parables make us think, perhaps. That's something to thank God for. We So finding something to thank God for, um, yes, we want to thank God at all times, but I don't think God wants us to thank God for anyone getting thrown into outer darkness. So, well, let's not do that anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good idea. Um, I don't know. It's, um, I don't, maybe, maybe we have to use more discernment when we say the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, or just say here endeth the reading because I think children hear that. They hear thanks be to God and they think God is doing this. This is what's right with the world. And it's hard to know how to interpret this. Um, and of course, when I was a child, I interpreted, you know, the master was God or, you know, if God and Jesus were the same and Jesus is telling the story, maybe Jesus was the master. Um, even though this master is really nothing like Jesus and therefore nothing like God. So um, there are a few hints that it gives us. Right. So mm -hmm. one of those hints you get right off the bat, a man who's the master comes and goes for a long period of time. Right. Does mm -hmm. does God leave us for a long period of time, even at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age, right? So Jesus hasn't left us if we take him at his word uh, there. So is this the God character who comes and then leaves and then comes back to settle accounts with us? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. In fact, I was going to ask the exact same question and you beat me to it. <laughs> no, God doesn't go away. God, God doesn't, God doesn't leave us. But I think that there's, um, I think that there's indication that Jesus is talking about, Jesus is using a parable, not to describe God, but to describe the way God is perceived. Um, he just he just talked about a parable that he said the kingdom of heaven will be like this. That's at the beginning of the previous parable. And we talked last time about how maybe Jesus wasn't talking about the kingdom of heaven so much as, you know, if you think this, then this is how you must imagine the kingdom of heaven to be. And so the parable of the 10 bridesmaids has harshness and locking people out. Um, the parable of the banquet also has someone being thrown into outer darkness. And now we have um, this parable of the talents. And, and I mean, most, most of the time I've heard this preached, I think that the man was likened to a God figure allegorically. And um I have a confession that as a lay preacher, I have preached on this text and I had some seminary training. I wasn't completely out of my depth, but I did interpret the man as a God figure. And I, 
And I went through some hoops to talk about how generous this God figure really was. And at the end, the poor servant who got thrown out, I thought, well, this servant didn't believe God was kind and generous, even though God gave him 16 years worth of wages right off the bat. So if you don't believe in God's generosity, maybe you don't receive it. And um, there may be something to that. God gives generously, but if we don't, we can be blind to that generosity. But I think there's a lot more going on, though. Um, now I'm inclined to read anyone who gets thrown into outer darkness as Jesus. So, so. Well, I mean, the, the problem with that way that I have with that way of understanding this parable is that the God character, if we think the man is the God character, proves the third slave right. You yeah. are not generous. Because right. if I don't use what the gifts that you give me in the way that you demand that I use them, then you're going to do really mean and nasty things to me. <laughs> this is well, not, exactly. this is I not a gift of love uh, with that, that would be given without expectations. This is, this is a gift of you better use this in the right way, not only in the right way, but you better use it in the right way that benefits me. And what is the entity in the ancient world? I'll give you a hint. What is the entity in the ancient Roman world that has enough money that could give out five talents, three talents, and one talent to different slaves? If you take this, if you take this at the human level mm -hmm. and you demythologize it, like Rene Girard often wants us to do. You take God out of the picture and just look at it at the human level. The, the master, the master that comes in and out and goes off to other lands and then comes back and makes accounts and gets more money off of the money that he gives to certain people in order to do his bidding, it's the Roman Empire. Of course. Right? Yeah. So this is, when Jesus' first listeners are hearing this story, they're like, Oh, you're talking about Rome. And there are some of us who collude with the Roman system. And who would that be? Rome would give most of Rome's Rome's money in this instance to Herod, king the, the kings, the rulers, right? And then they would tax other people and get more money for Rome. And what's happening in this passage that I see? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I yes, I get that now. I do, and I've yeah. Um, I mean, I had thought that God is generous, and if we don't see that, then we perceive a harsh God, and that God rules over our lives. And you know, to some extent, I lived in fear for a long time, thinking that if God is real. Um, you know, the same people who told me that God is real, not all the same people, but many of the same people who told me that God is real also told me that hell is real and, you know, and God's love is so abundant and wonderful and marvelous and all encompassing, but it doesn't encompass all, you know, the, the same people will say in the same breath, God's love is all encompassing, but if you don't believe 
it's not God locking you out. You're locking yourself out. And I kept thinking, you know what? I find it hard to believe, but I don't think I would ever intentionally lock myself in a lake of burning fire who would do that. It makes absolutely no sense. So, you know, so I, so I did mental gymnastics and I thought, well, God is generous, but if we live in fear, we miss that generosity. And I do think that's true, but this master is not God. And what God does when God is with us is show us the way out of that fear. And, you know, and, and God doesn't come to us as, you know, some, God doesn't come to us in recognizable form most of the time. When people guide us out of our fear, we can look back and, re and realize that that has been God's presence with us. You know, when something happens in our lives that just wakes us up to the love all around us and inside us, we might not see that as God right away. It might still be hard, but, you know, eventually it, it, it can hit us that that's love. And um, so God doesn't leave us in fear. God guides us out of it. Um, yep. Excellent. And uh, one, one other clue that I see in this is that's really fun is that the third slave is actually the faithful hero of the story. Here's why. The the man, the, the master character, who typically we understand is God, right, uh, says, why didn't you take it to the bank? And that way you could have gotten interest. And this whole thing is about like the master getting interest from uh, the slaves. So I'm going to give you a certain amount and you're going to make money and then give me uh, the money and the interest back. Well, in uh, Jewish law, I think it's in Deuteronomy, either Deuteronomy or Leviticus. There's a law against charging interest. You're not supposed to charge interest. So this isn't this faithful servant or this unfaithful servant <laughs> is unfaithful to the Roman system and faithful to the Jewish system that doesn't participate in charging interest because it's against our law. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus is giving hints here that we frequently miss because we're not as attuned to ancient scripture as Jesus's audience would have been attuned to. Um, but this is a whole system. The, the third servant uh, subverts the system that he is uh, he's living in that's thrust upon him. He sees that it's uh, set up by this master who uh, what, sows reaps where he does not sow and uh so he knows that the system is corrupt uh his eyes are open to it and he refuses to play it and as you mentioned Lindsay, just like jesus he gets thrown into outer darkness into torture uh because he refuses to play by the system yeah yeah um but a lot of churches will preach on the idea that you have to use your talents. And, and this particular parable, I've just noticed it is used over and over for Stewardship Sunday, for calling people to give uh, generously. And, 
you know, there is something to be said about, about giving, um, giving back what we've received and, and believing in ourselves enough to, to contribute to the abundance of life, to not be afraid of what, of what we are given that is our natural, um, talent, you know, the, the play on the words that, you know, the, the fact that this is talking about a sum of money, but we now use talents to mean any kind of gift that we have that can make the world better. Um, there is an urgency for using our talents. Um, but I mean, this parable is very specifically talking about money, of course. And um, I was thinking... I was thinking to use what we are given doesn't necessarily mean to use money, of course. It, uh-huh. it can, but it, but obviously in many, many cases it doesn't. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor and all of that. And I was just thinking, um, it's a shame to bury our talents, you know, like the third servant does. But then I was thinking about all the things that get buried according to Jesus. And it's like, yeah, you bury money in the ground, nothing happens. It's metal. It does absolutely nothing. But Jesus also said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it can't bury. It, it, it doesn't produce any fruit. But when a seed is buried in the ground and, as Jesus says, dies, um, as a seed is buried in the ground, it comes up and produces much fruit. Of course, if we think of Jesus as the third servant who is thrown out into outer darkness, his whole body is buried in the ground, and then he rises, and we become his body. So I was thinking of those of those parallels as I looked at this, just the idea that, um, yeah, we're not supposed to bury our talents, but it's like... I don't know, the third servant buries a little piece of metal and nothing comes of it. But the gifts that were given from God, those aren't little pieces of metal. They can bear much, much fruit. And I'm thinking about, you know, this slave wasn't as worthy as his companions in the art of making money. But he did see through the system more easily than they did. He did see, he did see the, um, you know, the system didn't work for him. But even to be able to see that is a kind of a talent. To be able to see through empire is a talent. Yes. And I think it's important to point out also in first century ancient world, not just in first century Judaism, how... Are, how do these five, how do these two uh, servants end up trading and making more money off of it? How do they do that in, in that economic system? The same way Herod did. <laughs> you're you're going to cheat people out of that money. That's how the system works back in the day. Yeah. It's how the system works in almost every day. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. that's one of the other things that this third servant sees is I'm not going to participate in this unjust system that makes this unjust economic system that makes money off of basically stealing from others. 
that's how they that's how the whole Roman Empire system is is set up to make money in the economic system. So it brings up questions today, like what are the systems that I benefit from, like the first two servants benefited from this system. They played in the system as a white cisgender heterosexual male. I've got a lot of systems that I can use to my advantage. Um, and what are those systems and how do they, how do they harm other people and how do I attune myself to them so that maybe I can subvert them? It's like when it's, it's similar to when Jesus, uh, when Jesus is asked, um, is it okay to pay taxes to Rome, right? And Jesus says, uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God's what is God's and what belongs to God, the whole earth and everything in it, mm -hmm. right? Including and, yeah. And yes, you can use your talents mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way that benefits you at the expense of others. And I think the third servant in this story it sees it for what it is and refuses to play the game suffers the causes for it but he ends up being the hero story yeah i just it, it doesn't it doesn't say enter into the kingdom of god or anything it says enter into the joy of your master which is such a oh that's such a clever way of wording it right? it's like <laughs> if enter you're to into enter into the realms of capitalist success is what it's saying and honestly, who really doesn't want to? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, if we look at this parable closely, we can always find some kind of indictment of ourselves because we want to make money. <laughs> I play that game. I play that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and oh gosh. Yes, this master is furious when this third slave doesn't make him money. And, um, and you know, and he says, take away what was given and give it to, that's just the way it works, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those who have very little in this world have to pay fees for being poor. You can't, you know, you can't, you, you can't get, um, a better job because you can't get childcare. You can't afford, you can't afford the classes and the school that will help you on a path to a better job. Um, there are, there are fees if, if your car breaks down because you can't afford a great one. You, you know, there are fees on top of fees on top of fees. And yeah. if you're poor in this kind of system, it just keeps taking and taking and taking from you. And yeah, the, the third servant didn't want to play that game. And, um, and oh, I just keep coming back to, uh, I, I don't know where it is in the, I don't know which verse in the gospel it is, but you can't serve God and money. Anyone who would, who would liken this master to God is, um, you can't serve God and money. Jesus says that very explicitly. So there are all kinds of hints that this master is not God. Um, so that is an awesome connection, Lindsay, right there. Boom. That brings it all together. So thank you for that. Judy says, so thankful for our veterans. Thank you very much. And uh, we pray for an end to all war, all violence, uh, as we continue to thank our vets. And uh, also, 
you know, uh, as you were talking, Lindsay, I was thinking healthcare too, healthcare, healthcare. Yes, healthcare, uh, healthcare and job transition programs, you know? Oh, our vets could use some healthcare, some job transition benefits, all of that. Uh, the way that we treat our vets um, is something that we should all be able to get behind uh, in doing a better job with helping those who have gone to see the horrors of war uh, and then bring them back in and care for them a little better. So I'm truly thankful. I do know veterans who have saved the lives of my loved ones, very literally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a pacifist. This day is very conflictual to me, very. Yeah. But, but I do believe in the courage and love of our veterans. And um, I, I just, I want the wars to end, um, but not the appreciation for the people who have served. I want wars to end and I want our appreciation to continue. Uh, and to that, I can say thanks be to God. Thank you everyone. And uh, join us next Wednesday at five o'clock central, three o'clock Pacific for another Bible study. Until then, grace and peace be with you. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.